Hello, everybody. This is Tyler Buckingham, and you are listening to the Beach Shack Podcast coming at you from Ventura County, California. If you've been paying attention to this show for the past few weeks, you'll know that I have been uh, in my home county for the holidays, and I've been trying to bring some of our coastal stories to you. And today I've got a great guest, Brian Brennan, who's the executive director of the Beacon Joint Powers Authority. And uh, it just has a resume uh, longer than I could recite here. Uh, he's been involved in uh, the coast here in policy. Uh, he wor- currently holds a job uh, at the county administration with uh, Supervisor Bennett. Uh, Bennett's office that's district one here in Ventura County Uh, and I really look forward to this conversation with him talking all about the Ventura County and Santa Barbara County shoreline Uh, but first I want to do a quick word from our sponsors of course everybody by now knows about Dune Doctors one of the best Dune consulting and restoration firms in the Gulf shoreline uh, along the Gulf shoreline. They, they of course, would work on the Florida uh, Atlantic side, too. But let me tell you, if you need to rebuild a dune system, vegetate it with native dune plants. If you're looking for a hub vendor, uh, give Frederic Barrasset a call. You can find all of their information at dunedoctors.com. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, TI Coastal Services out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Great engineering, coastal engineering firm. They can help you with your waterways, your dredging projects, your beach restoration projects, moving sediment from one area to another, stabilizing your shoreline. These guys are great. They design their projects uh, with a budget in mind. They're environmentally conscientious. Really great team. Go to TICoastal.com for more information. Brian, welcome to the Beach Shack podcast. It's great to be sitting here. Uh, we d- we were able to take a really cool walk along Surfers Point uh, last week uh, before the Christmas holiday, but alas, we couldn't have the recording equipment there and, and do that. So we set aside a little time here uh, in the conference room uh, at the county offices, and it's just great to have you on the show, Brian. Well, Tyler, it's a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. And certainly I still can hear the surf uh, pounding and uh, see uh, somebody dropping in and going all the way across to the inside point. So um, we'll just try to channel that again. But uh, absolutely, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. And I just wanted to say that uh, I'm talking about coastal uh, processes and things in Ventura County and Santa Barbara County has been become a bit of a fixation for me, certainly over the years. But uh, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's do Give the audience a little bit of an overview sure. of your history sure. and how you came to be here. Well, I was born about six doors up from Galway Bay and uh, have not been uh, far from the ocean ever since. Uh, came here as an immigrant, uh, 10 years old. Uh, went uh, Galway Bay, Ireland. Ireland. Thank you. Yes. That's, yeah. That's right. For, for those of you who are ge- geography yeah. challenged. Yeah. Thank you. I Yeah. And I assume everybody knows where Galway is, but that's just what a Galwegian would tell you. Uh-huh. But um, more importantly, uh, as a Importantly, certainly um, growing up in California, Southern California, and not 
uh, not far from the beach, certainly in the South Bay area, and then down through North County, San Diego. Going to school down there, and then certainly got involved in the hotel restaurant business. Was fortunate to work for a company that opened uh, uh, restaurants uh, in the Hawaiian, from the Hawaiian Islands to the Virgin Islands and places in between. So I had the opportunity to work on a lot of those, and uh, and in a lot of those, and then uh, certainly down in the Caribbean. And uh, part of the philosophy was we were always next to the ocean, and I always my whole thing was to tread as lightly as we could, and uh, so. That, w- that sort of carried through my business phase, and as I started, uh, came back to California, Southern California in the late 80s, um, decided to get involved in a little bit more in policy because, as we know, policy is going on whether you know it or not. It's being done to you. So um, not always – you know, with a voice that can, you know, that can be in there and not always in, in, in you know, de- degrading the ocean, but also trying to a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I uh, got involved in uh, local po- politics uh, a little bit and then also helped uh, start the Surfrider Foundation here in Ventura County and then uh, got on the board of the Visitors Convention Bureau and wanted to test the water and prove that the water was clean and we could advertise that. But of course, the water wasn't clean all the time. And so a little bit of a headbutting to get people to understand that, you know, and that, uh, you know, it's important to everybody. And as we find out that about 80% of the people, when they take a survey, the reason they come to Southern California, or certainly Ventura, Santa Barbara area is because of the beaches. And uh, in one form or another, whether it's surfing, whether it's just walking along them, whether it's going out to to the amazing Channel Islands or Galapagos or the West Coast, as we like to say, um, those are all part of what they, they want to be involved in. So I sort of matriculated through that process. I was fortunate enough to uh, get appointed to the California Coastal Commission by Governor Jerry Brown and uh, served on that uh, board for four years. And as I believed in term limits, I, you know, mm-hmm. after 16 years, I stepped down and thought it was a chance for somebody else to get going. Um, and to cut it just a little bit longer, but I, you know, focused now, um, part of the reason for stepping down from Coastal Commission was to look at policies that could be resilient for resilient and adaptive shorelines and uh, not to wait till people have been in the process three years before they got in front of you at the Coastal Commission to say, hey, did you think of a better, there's a better way to do it. Could you go back and do it this way? So trying to work on those aspects of it and that's, and, and Beacon is a joint powers agency that represents the coastal cities and the two coastal counties of Santa Barbara and Ventura County and trying to work with those elected officials now to be able to bring uh, the idea of resilience and adaptive shorelines to their communities. And it's quite a charge. Uh, This area of shoreline between those two counties, how many miles is that? Gosh, of coastal, uh, 48 miles. 48 miles. Now, it's... Is it one littoral cell? That's kind of the it, idea. I was just going to be. It, yeah. it is. It, uh, there's a little bit of, of uh, sand working its way around the corner from Point Conception. But if you can visualize Point Conception, uh, the Gaviota Coast up there, that area, um, and then all the way down to, say, Point Magoo, which is the big rock as you're coming up. And in the old days, uh, before the jetty went in in Port Wainimi, um, the sand used to pass from Ventura County down into Los Angeles County when, and there was a beach called Broad Beach down there. Part of that reason is a lot of the sand came down from Ventura County and a lot of the sand came down through the Ringe, Ringe Dam area, uh, which is now the Ringe Dam, uh, through the Malibu Creek watershed. And uh, that helped to put made this beach broad and uh, certainly right. it's not anymore. 
It's Billy, no. called Billionaire Beach, but it's now they don't have much of a beach but rocks. So yeah. So the history, I think, um, the the littoral cell has been uh, um, uh, well documented. We're fortunate to have a great uh, on staff or say consultant to Beacon, uh, Jim Baylard, who studied this area, uh, uh, grew up in this area, and uh, knows this area really well. So. The idea of trying to keep sand and sediment into the system um, and continually going toward the ocean is very, very important. I think um, we've we've heard a lot lately in this area and outside this area, even about Matilha Dam, which is a dam 18 miles up the the, uh, Ventura River in the uh, Ventura River watershed that uh, holds probably close to probably 7 million cubic yards of sand and sediment. Not all beach quality, certainly, but that sorting process would happen normally as things go on. But um, if that, and we've been working on getting the dam down. But, Uh and also on policies of, you know, one of the things, when I moved back from uh, the Caribbean to Ventura, I was pretty amazed. I said, gosh, look at the hillside. So I'm like, so okay, where do you capture the water? You know, I mean, you got this great catchment. So where do you save the water? Of course, after 10 years in the Caribbean, that's all you do is try to channel as much, save as much water that hits the land so you can use it. They don't, we don't, we get rid of it as fast as we can. And so that's another process. Uh, You know, flood control is by just getting water to out to the ocean as quick as you can instead of both groundwater recharge, but as importantly, trying to get the sediments to go along with it. It's one of the main differences between the East Coast of America and the West Coast of America is this geological age, and it changes the way the shoreline works. California is just much younger. And, you know, I've been uh, up in Ojai doing hikes past few days to try to uh, burn off some of that holiday (laughs) ham and whatnot over the past few days. And uh, one of the things that's just astounding when you're in a drainage system, it's, by the way, bone dry. I mean, there might be, it might be a little damp. We did get a little rain recently, but these are seasonal drainages, at least in the Ventura watershed. It's not flowing. There's actually water flowing through it right now, but uh, it's not, it's not like a, an East coast river that you can envision just flowing perpetually all the time. These, these watersheds flow when we get a rain event. They wash, naturally they would wash uh, tons of sediment that's very soft. The hillsides here are erosive. They're steep, um, steep embankments, especially now. uh, One of the things that I'm sure we're going to need to talk about is the recent disasters that kind of have swept through this area, uh, beginning with the Thomas fire a year ago. Um, And of course, that laid the groundwork for the horrific Montecito landslide, mudslide, debris flow. Um, that flowed from the hills of Montecito, which is, you know, if you're not familiar with Montecito, it's one of the most um, well-known. It's a very affluent city uh, along the uh, shoreline there in Santa Barbara County and washed that sediment all the way out to the sea. And it was actually kind of a stark reminder of what the natural process would look like. Well, let me just say that uh, you just go back a step and you're right. That's very true. And if um, unfortunately uh, loss of life is in there's, is un, beyond unfortunate. It's something we need to start considering as we go forward. Um, the idea that, but you know, the Ventura watershed and certainly the Santa Clara River. We were, city of Ventura is very, very lucky. It sits between two wild rivers. Um, both tried to be channelized back in the 80s. Uh, a lot of local um, 
folks, uh, not not just environmentalists. I mean, fishermen and everybody else uh, that used to go there that didn't consider themselves environmentalists, but became that through just their in, in action. The right. idea of keeping those rivers wild so that the, the fisheries could stay strong. And uh, certainly the uh, um, there's been a lot of talk about steelhead, a lot of... Oh, regulation put in place to try to bring the steelhead back on both rivers. But uh, when those rivers, they're dry, but when they, they're epizoidal, and then that is when they pulse, they're, it's goes bank to bank and, and it goes bank to bank quickly and um, so there's a, Ventura River brings a lot of rock and cobble to the ocean and the Santa Clara River you know it starts in the desert so um, it brings more beach quality sand than I think somebody said in any river in North America yeah you know, it's just when and it goes a, it's an amazing I mean when you drive out over that bridge uh, near good is it's McGrath, near McFadden, uh, McGrath State Beach. Near, near, excuse me, yeah, McGrath, yeah, yeah. McGrath State Park. I mean, the delta is yeah. so wide, and I mean that entire the entire Oxnard Ag right. area. That's all the historic floodplain of this river. So, one of the rivers, the Ventura River, which is to the north, uh, I guess it's safe to say, along the coast. Uh, is a seasonal river. It it does not flow all the time. The Santa Clara River, my understanding, it, it it flows fair much more. The flu the throughput must be much higher than the Ventura River. It's uh, they're about the same. Oh really? About the same. They Goodness. both depend on uh, the same storm pulses. Wow. Um, uh, but you know, all that being said, I mean, when they do get going, they there's there's billions and billions of cubic yards of sand off the off the mouth of the Santa Clara River. I mean, if you go up on the hill um, in Ventura. Uh, and during a big swell, you can look out over the uh, the port district and look out over the harbor, and you can see waves starting to trying to form. Obviously, not breaking though. I want to say, the Malloy brothers about three years ago were out there um, doing tow in on big, wow. you know, not completely breaking waves, but uh, big, big faces. So, there, it, the potential, the, the sand, the, the opportunity to use sand better than we do, and to first of all recognize that the resource it is, and 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 uh, how we get it to our naturally to the shorelines because um, if we touch it, we own it. You own it. You test it. You now you got to transport it. Now you got to nope, can't go because water quality control board says you know sediment, you know pollution's attached to the sediment. So now it's it's waste. So you need to take it to a landfill, right? Or you end up getting giving it to a contractor for free to clean out a debris basin, right? And that's and he takes it to a construction site, all, right. all being reused. But that's that belongs to the commons. That belongs totally. to all of us. And when we had to rebuild Surfers Point. We it cost us almost a million dollars to buy the cobble that was public, that was ours, along with the sand. So yeah. that's one of the things I'm trying to make uh, work through the uh, the process is to understand who owns the sand and you know and and how it gets used and utilized better. Well, and that's you know Beacon is such a unique uh, power and and collective. Uh, Effort. So, I mean, there aren't very many places in uh, along the American shoreline where you have regional sediment management like Beacon is intended to be. For, what, walk our listeners through what Beacon stands for. Well, it's Beach Erosion and Clean Ocean Nourishment. Um, you know, beach, beach Erosion Authority and Clean Ocean Nourishment. And that is obviously we uh, authority. Um, mm-hmm. We've got 
power. We right. don't use it, and uh, <laughs> because I think if we did, we would uh, lose our membership in some ways. Right. Um, but that's maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, I think. Right. And I'm not uh, advocating for use of that power in any way, shape, or yeah. form, other than using it to educate and then bringing the elected officials along. Members of our board are elected officials from those cities in the county, and their jo- their job is to educate their board and their staff in uh, in the processes so that we can continue that sediment right. flow. And it's it's important to note that Beacon, as a group, as a joint powers authority, does not have taxing authority by itself. You can, the, the member uh, municipalities and counties could uh, allocate resources to Beacon, but Beacon can't go and uh, put a parcel tax or any sort of tax on on uh, the territory we would never exist after that we do <laughs> we do have that power oh you do we do have that power oh and, really but um we're not going to use it okay i mean i'm i mean certainly it was yeah no that's, i wouldn't recommend it um yeah. i think because that's it, it, you know joint powers authorities have those opportunities like mm-hmm. in the bay area where they put on the parcel right. tax and uh, and did that piece on the on the ballot uh, okay uh that's could happen but um i'm i'm looking trying to do it in a more organic way because um you polarize and then you know uh you, we like i said we become inefficient at that point so you know it doesn't matter if you're in texas florida the carolinas new york boston or ventura county uh Raising taxes for the shoreline is a very, very difficult thing to do. And so in your work with these, so one of the things that I'm really curious, Brian, is um, the, how, how are the counties, you know, how does Santa Barbara County get along with, uh, and the issues that they have, they have, uh, for example, I know that there's uh, a, a cliff erosion issue with a park up there. Uh, I believe that's in the city of Santa Barbara. It might be to the north of it. Um, and then, you know, they have their own set of suite of issues uh, down here a little bit further south of Ventura County. We have our own suite of issues. How is the uh, cross-pollination and kind of working as a regional planning group, how is that going? Well, I can tell you it's, it goes beyond just beach erosion issues. Um, because of getting the electeds from both counties together on a board dealing with a problem, they realize that, hey, if there's another problem, we can talk about it. And not necessarily on Beacon, but they have the relationships to pick up the phone and talk and and to smooth those things out. I want to say, and this is, don't you know, government works best during a disaster. And I hate, I mean, and I mean that it's seamless. And that is from right. the first responders to all of that, you know, get the political people, get the electeds out, out of the way a little bit and let those people, the professionals, do what they need to do. We're very fortunate. The Thomas Fire um, blew through Ventura County with the push by 80 mile an hour winds into Santa Barbara County uh, and quickly. Um, but the seamless interaction of changing over and, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's different jurisdictions, but you would never know, it never made a difference. Um, and then we're talking about, I think, seven to 10,000 firefighters down here, and I think even more over time at that time, but just seamless interaction. And that really made a difference in in uh, how, how the fire was handled. And, and I'd say also afterward. There was, um, you know, the mop up, and then there was the oh gosh, well we know we're heading into the rainy season, so what about debris flows? And believe it or not, we, you know, people were trying to deal with cleaning out debris basins, trying to deal with some of that um, when the uh, 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 January 9th uh, debris flow came. Um, you know, it was, I mean, the 
I'm not sh- sure if it was a clean debris basin up there would it have held all the, that came down. Um, right. But, you know, certainly there's no silver lining, but I will say the shoreline um, got an awful lot of debris, uh, a nice a sand and sediment that uh, um, and th- that uh, normally would go, even if no, no human habitation would have normally gone to the ocean. There was a lot. The beaches grew by a fair amount. Um up in Santa Barbara and Montecito area. And that slug of sand is slowly moving its way down the coast and eventually will be here in Ventura. And then, of course, we'll be down in Magoo and then we'll go into Magoo Canyon, unfortunately. And that's where it will terminate, you know, down. down Generally, about 90% of the sand sediments will terminate in that canyon, which is, um, you know, really accreted uh, shoreward over the, and since 1939, that jetty was put in. And it's literally scouring into cutting away the, the, the naval station there. Yeah. And so um, the idea that uh, um, the, 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 you know, like I said, the debris benefits the, the shoreline. Uh, we'd like to get it in, there in better ways than having to have those kind of situations. It, it's, it's a really – this is, I think, one of the most important and perhaps frustrating uh, – and unforeseen consequences of the coastal development of these two counties is that uh, if any quick look, if you go on to Google Maps right now and go into the satellite view and look at the shoreline or even just put yourself in street view along the 101 freeway or the Pacific Coast Highway between the city of Ventura and the city of say, Carpinteria, uh, California, what you will see is that there are there's a there's a mountain range that basically abuts the the beach and over time we have built the 101 freeway there there's been a rail line that's been there for god before before dirt before yeah maybe a hundred years or more yeah uh we've got uh, the pacific coast highway there is now coastal development there are houses along that shoreline um and when the, the natural order of things, of course, if there was no uh, none of that development would be in a major in a, in, a, in a big rain event. The sediments from those mountains, which are soft and uh, sandy, <laughs> would come running down into the ocean in a big muddy mess. And uh, they the ocean would settle and settle them out. And that would be the natural order. Now, uh, of course, there's been a, a lot of drilling. Uh, this is Ventura County is a major oil production area historically. A lot less now, but there still is a lot of drilling up there in those hills. Uh, and what that Montecito disaster showed us in really stark terms, I think, I mean, this is my personal feeling about it, was just, boy, I mean, that is the natural order is that it wants to put that sediment into the onto the beach. And we need to work with that system and not try to work against it. Now, in regular from a regulatory perspective as you mentioned is it beach quality what else is in it are you testing it and that becomes that can be a hurdle now what what are you how are you guys in the beacon group is is there a consensus on the board and among the local officials here that this is the future is to try to figure out how to bring those sediments across the road and onto the beach well i think um it's been in the uh, vernacular of the board for gosh 15 years um, we put a, 
uh, opportunistic beach fill program in place, and that was pre-permitting some beaches to take sediments um, already uh, from inland sources if they were discovered. And, you know, we had to go out and farm them and find them and then try to put in, and people would say, well, great, we can direct you. So can you, pay, you know, Beacon, can you transport, can you pay for the transport of that to that beach? And Beacon doesn't, without the funding, um, has, doesn't have that. That's where the, and the testing of it. Um, Some of it was pre-tested in areas and already know it's good. It's just the transportation costs. And once you touch it, it's touching it and dealing with it, uh, you know. So if you got to take it somewhere, store it, and then sift it in, all those are adding costs and transportation costs. So we learned a lot through that program. We got it up and going uh, courtesy of Moffat and Nickel. Uh, Chris Webb did a fabulous job uh, and his staff getting us to that, uh, uh, I will call it the parapet, so to speak. But we could not get the the funding to – when those chances came around to go ahead and utilize it. We were fortunate to do a couple small projects. Uh, one was a small cobble. Well, cobble size was small, but the amount of cobble was great uh, out of the Ventura River. And uh, Ventura County uh, uh, Watershed Protection District directed the contractor to take it to the beach by Surfers Point where we walked, and we right. saw some of that. And We should... We should uh, I want to just take some time to talk about this area. And this is perhaps one of the most... Uh, one of the coolest things that's going on in the Beacon uh, boundary area, uh, certain probably on the American Shoreline. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say it as a as a podcast host on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. This is a cool program. Now, a little overview here, and Brian, jump in if I get any of these facts wrong. But uh, we we talked about the Ventura River previously. Now, at the delta of that river uh, is a point. Um, it's called Surfers Point, and it's a uh, legendary Southern California surf spot. Um, and in, in any given moment, any given day, you're going to see a healthy cadre of surfers out there enjoying themselves. When the break is good and the, uh, the surf is up uh, and it's coming out of the right direction, it is a people drive miles to surf this break it's a it's just a world-class place to surf. easy easy we don't want too many people showing no we don't no, I'm kidding. yeah don't come that's right it's, no. don't come it's well renowned so I'm, yeah. I'm i'm over that yeah so uh of course um as as brian mentioned the ventura river uh has been altered by by man we dammed uh Part of it way up in the kind of upper reaches of the watershed in the Matillaha Canyon. That is called the Matillaha Dam. Um, I believe that was done in the 60s. Is that right? Yeah, in the 50s. In the 50s. Yeah, yeah. So this dam is, uh, the idea I think was to produce, to create a recreational area up there. Within Again, these mountains are soft, tons of sediment. This dam is full of sediment. You said 6 million cubic yards of Probably 7 million. It seven holds million. about nine, about 800 acre feet of water now. Just when I on was, the surface. When know. I was a yeah. kiddo yeah. in high school, uh, of course, you're not, this was, you know, we were breaking the rules, but we would fish yeah. this thing. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, I mean, you, I, I actually hiked my kayak up there and in the middle of this reservoir, which probably should have been 50 feet deep, if there was no sediment, it might be eight feet deep. Right. I mean, it's right. it's quite filled in. I can personally attest to that. So all of this sediment's trapped upstream. Um, 
the shoreline, of course, would be, it's a delta, so it's a dynamic area anyway, uh, all the way out on the beach. But we're tra we've trapped the sediment, so the beach is not naturally accreting. Now, Brian pointed out that this would be, naturally would not be a big old sandy beach. It would be a quite cobbly. Um, there would be sand mixed in. There'd be little sandy areas, but it would be a cobble, a cobble area of delta. And uh, through channelizing, building in a... a, a what do you call it the that feature that kind of shoots out there uh that protects the fairgrounds the yeah yeah the levee the levee there exactly uh and just a host of other kind of development decisions uh the point has is experiencing erosion and it's to the point now where you've actually got pieces of of a walking trail that used to be the parking lot. I mean, it's just kind of, it's falling into the ocean. Um, there has been armament put in. There's riprap there along the shoreline. But a really cool thing happened. Um, I don't know. When did this project start? Like 10 years ago, would you say? Well, I'd say the actual project, uh, we've got some real legs on it about 2009, 2010. Okay. Um, it'd been, we'd been working on it for 15 years prior to that. Um, so this is a long effort. Yeah. And I want to say uh, Paul Jenkins and certainly the local Surfrider Foundation, if you want to uh, Google Ventura County Surfrider Foundation, there's an incredible, um, the webpage just details Surfers Point and from the process through the construction, through all the things that have gone on and, and beyond that it's beyond just surfers point but the really the whole ecosystem of the ventura river and along with the steelhead and the estuary and right. realizing that the only way when and paul to, um, paul's done a great job of educating the electeds and folks about the fact that you know if you can the natural systems as close as you can get to restoring them they can heal themselves if we let leave them alone it's with all the things we've interrupted and uh, all the things that are connected that are not making that happen the beaches uh, uh, the Ventura Point, uh, Surface Point, would certainly be cobbled, but we're fortunate to have the sand and sediments coming down from the sandier cliffs of Santa Barbara County. Yeah, that's a good that point. You know, the provide that sand that yeah. fills in on top. Some say Carpinteria Cliffs up in the, you know, Elwood uh, Galita Beach area. All those sands and sediments are moving down this way slowly. So that in itself has an ability to, you know, the River of Sand, as we call it, almost I think, uh, oh gosh, eight hundred to nine hundred cubic yards, thousand cubic yards of sand and sediment coming down. In a normally good year, I think, um, but uh, because of all the stuff we've interrupted, only about three hundred fifty thousand is coming down. So we, the, all that is going into debris basins and being stopped in places, and that yeah. that's what is going to be the future of resiliency and coastal adaptation. Uh, certainly on this shoreline, yeah. where where the sediment exists, it's just tra it's being trapped on the wrong side of the road. So so. After a very long time of planning and uh, working this idea through um, with the city, and of course, we're going to get into kind of the jurisdictional challenges of this area. The, the, there's a fairground right there on the delta, and that is uh, not owned by – the fairgrounds are owned by uh, the state of California. And um, there's a jurisdictional uh, – battle that ensues uh i would say a friendly battle at times but it's it's a it's a necessary negotiation between uh local uh powers the city of ventura the county of ventura beat the beacon organization the local surf rider advocates and this state group that uh, uh runs the fairground but see what's happened is uh surf rider and the local advocates have in 
begun a managed retreat project and they actually ripped out existing hardened pavement and parking lot basically and they put in a beautiful natural dune system with cobble down below and there's a an elevated boardwalk uh, kind of cuts through it um and i'll tell you we were out there walking along i mean it's just it's so popular i mean from from surfers out there to to kite surfers to uh, parents with with babies and strollers Strollers, yeah yeah, it's it's, come one come all well it's a tremendous attraction well let me tell you tyler i think uh certainly we didn't have much parking lot to take out the ocean was taking the parking lot so it was that was really the you know the key and um uh but recognizing that this was the first project that went in front of the coastal commission that actually had a wave run-up line and also looking at sea level rise predictions at that time wow obviously they've increased since then so we're looking at phase two now and it's going to have to take into account the new predictions. But that being said, it's a very dynamic space. But the idea is if you give it some place to come and go, as we know the way the beaches go and the way the dunes system is there to protect, you've got a chance. You've, you've got these buffers that create that. So um, we're very fortunate that uh, the city of Ventura, um, even though it wasn't its jurisdiction, um, recognized that you know it's the most used public space in the city, and that's from the pier all the way up to the top of the point and back is probably the most used public space, in the, even including a sports park, um, on a daily, continual basis. Um, and anybody comes to visit, that's where they go. So the recognition by the city, um, again, uh, was on the city council. I'm not blowing my horn, but I was just saying it was educating the city that there's we have a we have an oar in the water up there, even though it's not our, our, our jurisdiction. And we were able to – and the fairgrounds, to their credit, they don't have a lot of revenue coming there. Their job is to put on a fair, and then they hang on by their fingernails the rest of the year. And so the idea that we would we went out, I say we, but there was a collective, the, the working group, uh, uh, you know, the Coastal Conservancy, uh, certainly uh, Kara Kimler, um, and certainly uh, Mark Baylor, who helped us, um, uh, from the Coastal Conservancy to the Transportation Commission because of a bike path, cobbled a number of different grants together to be able to make all that come forward. And the city had some funding put aside and we were able to utilize that to get the first phase going. Now, the p- permit was for phase one and phase two, and it's taken a while. We're negotiating now, but the fair board is now recognizing they're making a recommendation that they go f- forward on phase two uh, uh, at their January meeting and uh, go out and we'll go out and look for funding for that piece of it. Um, it's. It, 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 I would say this. It, it, it's something that um, at presently it's working. You know. I mean. I, I, you know. We no know, doubt about that. We know that things are. You know. The future. Who knows? I mean. But the idea is trying to record the, the as much as you can step back. Um, you know that that provides a great opportunity. I realize there's not that opportunity. Say, for instance, where uh, your parents have the house up right. in the, up in the Faria area, Faria Beach, Faria yeah. and Solomar, and all the we at that point built as close as we could to the water because that's you know that little sliver and it wasn't the the, the 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 concern of sea level rise. And so the idea, where do you go from there? Do you, do you put the house up on stilts? Do you put them on caissons? If everybody's a Larry Ellison, which we're not, we can't go down 90 feet into into you know and to, to down with caissons to anchor. Um, 
So the, our ability to be able to recognize who pays for that, when do you step back, when do you say, okay, enough's enough, and do you keep r- putting rocks in front of your house to where you can't even see the water anymore? So Right. Well, and I think that one of the things that's really valuable about this uh, managed retreat, f- first of all, man, the, the, the word retreat that, is a, a third yeah. rail term yeah. in much of the country. If you were to say, we are yeah. going to let this land go underwater uh you are from a policy perspective from a politics perspective from just a straight up human instinct perspective a lot of folks are going to say no thank you that is not the management scheme we want to use i applaud this project for two reasons the first is it's working. It's actually a good, it's, it's, be- it, the, the shoreline is functioning from a human use perspective at a higher and better way than it would have if it was armored with a parking lot. Yep. We are getting the same amount, we're getting more traffic out there, I believe. It's a greater attraction. It is inviting more tourism dollars into the city. It's generating economic churning and activity. That's tremendous. I also applaud it from kind of, this is my personal thing, but it's kind of a moral thing. When you see a river that is naturally a delta system, which is a dynamic system, and we all know that the delta is probably the most dynamic land-shifting system on the planet, and you decide, you know, we're going to let that run its course within reason. There's still the levee. You know, there's still protections to the upland development. But I applaud that. I think that it shows, a, and this is a theme on our shows. Our listeners are probably sick of me saying it, but it shows uh, humility to the planet. And coastal adaptation and resiliency is largely a frame of mind game where you say, what does it even mean to be resilient? Does it mean that I get, like, just like you just said, does it mean that I get to keep my structure here come hell or high water, you might say? No. It, sometimes you need to realize that the resilient decision is one where you um, you allow the the sea, the the river, the water to run its natural course and uh, that's what's happened here. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the cost of phase one and what you're looking, you know, you're staring down the barrel now of phase two. What, what does that look like? Well, I think um, we were able to cobble together enough funding. I think it was almost about $6 million, I think, when it was done. Of that, you add up the, all the technical costs and some of the things that were going along. But we were doing it in bits and pieces. But... And the, we're looking at about four for the phase two at presently, and that's wow. and that's with the help of the city of Ventura, uh, abandoning the road and the road that's there, and in front of that road, if you could visualize that, is the is a parking lot that's just getting is okay at the moment, but the bike path in front of that parking lot is getting chewed up and just falling in. So it won't be long before the parking lot goes. So the city part of that plan is to abandon the road to the fairgrounds make the road the parking lot and then have dunes where the parking lot is now and a cobble field in front where the bike path is falling so that again creating that cobble mattress with which is the top of the point you don't get to see the cobble you know unless when it's really needed and that's when the dunes are denuded a little bit it's taken by the ocean and then you've got the the uh, as i call them the shock absorbers the the the, the cobble ex- you know takes a lot of that energy out of the wave run up and so that's part of sort of how we would create that and it's going to be about 
a $4 million process. So there's still some more investment to, to come. Now, given the what, what I would describe as the success of phase one, are the local political, is momentum gaining behind this project? Well, I, I, it, it's just starting to, again, I'm trying to be very judicious in how we, the right word is not rub their nose in it, but I mean, I, <laughs> I, but I, I, it, just trying to figure out, the, the, trying to get uh, the folks that make the decisions to pay attention to the fact that they're losing, they're losing that asset that resource and when you if they could do it before the ocean takes it you have more choices our choices get very very narrow when all of a sudden it's taken out and now we're all the way back to the road and now we could have done things prior to that to save some of this infrastructure earlier so the idea of trying to educate and we you know the thing that happens with electeds they change out over time so when somebody might become an advocate and still on next thing you know they don't run for office and now you're educating the new people that come on who say right. I've got to do this only I don't I didn't sign up to worry about that it's like when I ran for office I didn't I wanted to test the water i didn't want to pick up after that dog that was taking a find the dogs that were running loose in town or right, whatever right. that was the one i signed up for yeah. it was only this but you end up growing and educating yourself on a lot of those things and so our job is to do that i want to say that uh, the, a lot of the leaders in place uh, both in the city uh, the uh, former mayor christy weir and certainly uh, the new uh, um, elected council member who was a mayor prior uh, jim freeman um, understand surface point because it's been in the city's vernacular for a while the fair board um they've had to become educated over time but now they're getting it so good but it, it, i want to say it shouldn't take 15 to 18 years um the thing but the thing is we do have a project now to point at and say this is working you might want to do this before you have to wait 18 years you can so walk you can them do, down there you can walk exactly they can see and touch it they can see and touch it and the coastal conservancy uses that the coastal commission actually has it in their in their hey if you want to do something this is a pro- this is a project that's working the coastal uh Conservancy is actually doing a project just south of uh, of uh, um, Cardiff Reef um, in a very narrow stretch that I'm a little worried if there's enough space for it to come and go. But they're trying exactly at sort of that adaptive shoreline and and resi- resiliency in, 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 with sort of that idea in place. It's a it's truly a, a place to come and see if you are an elected official. I don't care where you are in the country. Yep. Uh, it would be uh, and you're considering. Uh, adopting a managed retreat strategy on some stretch of your shoreline if you're a consultant and engineer come and check this out it's it's really worth the trip uh and you you really can come and see and touch it one of the kind of myths or or i think false conceptions or preconceptions of retreat is that like oh we're just going to let it disappear well actually that's not true you actually build something better one of the things that you were saying earlier if you wait too long you lose it you actually lose two things you lose the beach and you lose your parking lot that's right um you you lose your amenity in the upland in this way you actually get to decide to keep both okay we're gonna we're gonna have a smaller parking area but we're gonna have more uh hike and bike amenities we're gonna have more entry level for for example the wind sport there's one of the kite surfing certainly is huge you know huge i mean these guys and these guys come in there if you think about the economic uh, impact of these surfers and kite surfers it's tremendous these are not these people are coming in they're buying things and not to mention the equipment that they use is not inexpensive so the you know between the wetsuit the boards the kite surfing equipment I and mean, these are these are uh 
not inexpensive hobbies. They don't have to be expensive, but they're these are people that spend money and fuel the economy. And high tech is certainly a big part of that. I want to say totally. you know, the, the, earlier we touched on it, and I think um, you know retreat has that sort of defeatist approach to it. You know, um, we recognized uh, that a while back, and certainly I think it's you know substituting the word sustainable. You know, a managed sustainable totally. shoreline project um, is really something that we're starting to work back into the vernacular because cool. I think that's you know. Hey, we're America. We never retreat. We always win. And engineers, you know, we can engineer our way out of it. And I, to their credit, I we've done a lot of great things. And but you know, and also we this was before this the surf uh, the fairgrounds was put in. You know, from spoils from the oil fields that uh, hey, keep building it up, build the delta up, and you know, dump stuff there. And it was like a place to get rid of things, but also we created this public space. Now we're trying to recreate it with more of a sustainable process. And I think something that can be less expensive for the taxpayers locally and, and, and something that, that will still stay there. One of the important things we haven't talked about is financing and ongoing financing and maintenance. I Just as a former head of a Visitors Convention Bureau, I was head of the Hotel and Restaurant Association in the in the Virgin Islands, recognized that, you know, we spend a lot of money on bringing people to the island. And as I said, you know, Ventura, I look at it, hey, get them to the island. And if you do things right on the island, they'll find you. The idea is that we need to start incorporating some, like I said, the survey says 80% of the people come here because of beaches and the idea of walking either shoreline or utilization or recreation of the beaches. We've got to have some of that local, a small part of the transit occupancy tax put on to um, people's hotel bills because they're coming for that. And when you take, and it's not, I, I think they feel fine paying a small incremental amount. Um, uh, and so we need to start getting, we think it's our tax and don't taxes, but it's really, it's a benefit. It's not like, hey, tax the guys that are coming here. It's a question of saying, no, it's not. It's a fee to maintain that there's it's ongoing. User it's, it's a user, user fee. That's exactly right. Tyler, 80% of the yeah. people that yeah. come here are coming yeah. for the beach. Yep. Uh, there need we we can't uh, put a fee to get onto the beach. Uh, right. We can charge for parking. There's a, there's a few things we can do. Yeah. But uh, I totally agree with you. Um, getting the overnighters uh, to uh, contribute some portion of their uh, transient occupancy tax, which is the local bed tax, yep. Yep. tourism tax. Yep. Uh, to go to the beach, and you know, this is if Peter Ravella was sitting here, he'd be he'd be like d- dancing with this idea because it makes sense. It's politically doable. You know, uh, people are coming for your shoreline. They're they they are using it. They should participate in maintaining it from a from a funding perspective. And I think, um, like I said. We- a big part of it is educating people about the process of what the beaches, what the condition that's in, what the future's holding for that, and then the idea of how do you start addressing that uh, funding issue. And then having, I think, things that they can touch, real projects that say this is going to make a difference. Back, you talk, uh, I sit on a, a port commission. Right. We dredge probably six to 700,000 cubic yards of sand a year. We push it down to the Santa Clara River. That's like carrying coal to Newcastle. Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, but that's what, that's sort of the process that happens. Could we, I mean, the beaches in, in Oxnard are so wide. On, I mean, you got to wear two pairs, three pairs of socks to run across that 
from the where your car is to the ocean or you'll burn the bottom of your feet. Totally. Now, is that a normal width of the beach there? I mean, or is it, you know, could we back past some of that sand on occasion, every three years, every four years, uh, to back past it up to the top by Surfer's Point and let that start working its way down again? Sure, we're going to have to pump the sand out of the sand trap, but we're doing that anyway. So totally. it's just going to have to become, or do we put, take it all the way up to Hobson? You know, yeah. take that whole slew of, you know, um, you know, probably 52% of Ventura's county shoreline is armored, courtesy of both the freeway and the railroad. Could you take that sl- slug of sand up there to the top of Hobson, which is about 15 miles north of Ventura, and let it work its way down? Again, protecting the homes for Rhea, Solomar, and creating the beaches at the state beach parks. Totally. That, we're not going to have beaches with sea level rise. So the idea of where do you actually recreate and where do you get onto the beach, yeah. that was the, those uses too. So Beacon is looking at that as that's the kind of project that people would need to say, okay, your money's going there. The sand is coming here. I can see something, you know. And so totally. that's, you know, part of that is uh, my big push over the next five years is going to be to get something like that in place. Well, I'll tell you, I've uh, had the opportunity to speak with to some uh, uh, homeowners along that shoreline, uh, both in Solomar and, of course, uh, my mom and Faria. And I'll tell you, anecdotally, now, this is not a scientific survey, but every person I speak with is uh, eager to see something, some project come in line, and they will participate in the funding now obviously getting down to brass tacks is always the challenge always the challenge but one of the great things that beacon has enabled and i i applaud your uh your posture with the group not to be too aggressive going after the funds because you'd scare it off what you're able to do is educate and build a consensus over what the regional management uh strategy needs to be and as we become more aware of climate change, more aware of the economic impact of our shoreline and how important it is to us as a community, this is, I'm going to pause here. This is important. We have changed this community, Ventura County, Santa Barbara County to a lesser extent, but Ventura County in particular has changed. We have transitioned from a, an oil county to a, really a, uh, is it fair to say that we're a kind of ecotourism county now? Well, I, they, you hit it on the head. I think um, certainly we're very fortunate. I mean, uh, to the history of Ventura, uh, provided the majority of the oil to the Pacific Fleet in World War II. I mean, the oil was coming out of the ground and down through the pipes, and they just pulled it out of one ship and let it run in the water and then pushed it in the other ship. Only That's just how things were done yeah. because it was wartime, and understandably so. So Ventura, certainly in the 80s, uh, between oil prices slowing in with OPEC uh, organizing uh, less and harder or the easy oil was gone. So now it's a question of determining what we are. And we're fortunate to, and I always said, I said this back in uh, when I first got elected, uh, we have an opportunity to redefine ourselves again. And some yeah. of that is um, maintaining our local uh, farmland, keeping farmland totally. close to you. So you can grow your food. Um, having the trails to the to the Los Padres National Forest. You mentioned the hiking you were doing. Yep. Um, the idea of the quality of life. Does that come with some kind of a cost or a trade off? Absolutely. Does do, do we you know do we lose less industrial or less manufacturing jobs and in, in businesses coming into Ventura County because of that? Sure. But those. Um, it's not a, an elitist society. There is a there is a sustainable economic uh, uh, component that's going on here that I think that all 
part of that is both the outdoor recreation piece. I mean, you know, we're fortunate to have Patagonia um, – Yvonne and, and living here and not only starting here, but starting, you know, the ironworks, as you know, well, you well know from living here, it's, it's, it's a big part of the, uh, environmental ethos of the community is that, uh, Patagonia is here and, uh, and the people and the things that Patagonia brings and their workers and the thinking and that's, that's evolved. And it's, it's really a sustainable way of looking at how the future of a county and certainly a city can go forward. One of the things that is true everywhere on the American shoreline from a governing perspective, whether it be federal policy, whether it be state policy or local policy, as as you deal with in the Beacon Group, I guess you deal with state too. Yep. Uh, but uh, focusing here is the role of the government to shepherd incremental economic change such so that communities can adjust, but also so that we're going to be viable and resilient into the future. Uh, it is, the, it is in fact the job of the government because there's a public interest in this. We all have a, an interest to see that our economy is viable in the future. And one of the transitions that I see everywhere, I mean, I see this in South Padre, Mayor Stahl was on, uh, Dennis Stahl was on Peter Ravella's uh, local control podcast talking about the, tra- the slow and steady transformation of South Padre Island into an ecotourism destination, uh, as opposed to just a straight up spring break destination. I mean, that is a change. You can't just shutter the, the t-shirt shops and spring break infrastructure. Th- that still exists. Those, those residents and people that depend on those businesses still, but it's a slow transition. And as a good government, a good local government, a good county government, and, and if you are so fortunate to have a regional uh, sediment management uh, group like the Beacon Joint Powers Authority, they can start to think, okay, 20 years from now, we are going to want to see this transform. The fair, which was once a booming, the fairgrounds, which was once a booming kind of year-round place, eh, the fair comes in once a year. Like you said, they hold on by the skin of their teeth the rest of the time. So we have to, we're, now we're dealing with the management of that land, the management of that space. We ask ourselves, what is the highest and best use? That's, that's a totally appropriate question for public-owned land on a public beach in our community. This is, a, this is an important question. Well, yeah, and then that's something that, you know, like I said, the, um, the fair board, to their credit, they put on an incredible fair. Um, uh, numbers of the fair are, are people participating, should I say, I, you know, and coming into ag in, uh, you know, 4-H and things like that have slowed down a bit. But that doesn't mean it's not as not important. It's still very important to those people involved. So the uh, fair board trying to figure out, you know, get the pair, the fair functioning, but as importantly, you know, looking 20 to 30 years down the road. And if you look at uh, Dave Revel's uh, wave run-up line and you look at the inundation areas and the hazard, uh, that's that's at risk. I mean, that whole area is basically going to be underwater. Yeah. So, I mean, how much more do you armor? How do you start thinking, well, gosh, if it's doing, do we, you know, do you do like the Mid-State Fair and you're only open 11 days and you have some of the best performers in the country come and it stays viable and everybody wants to be there and then you're not, the rest of the year it's closed down and you just, and it's a smaller footprint. So I'm not advocating for that. They have, they've got a lot of decisions. I, I don't uh, 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 pretend to know all of them uh, and, and, the, and the ramifications, but I do, I'm happy that they recognize that uh, working with Beacon and working with the city of Ventura, we can advance the second phase of this project. 
Well, I have to say, Brian, I think you've done a tremendous job as a as a child of this county. I I really thank you for your lifetime of service to it, and um, especially to the, to the beach and the coast. And um, I, uh, I we have we are going we are coming into an exciting time. We know what we're coming into. We we the data's out. Uh, we're, we're continually getting smarter and smarter on sea level rise and climate change and how that's going to impact us. And I think that the work that you're doing is invaluable. Um, I definitely want to have you on again. There's so much more we, we could talk about. Um, and I think maybe what we also need to do is get you on Peter's show uh, to talk about some of the nuts and bolts of local politics that you've navigated over the years because you are, you are a true expert in, in managing that gas pedal, not going too hard, not going too soft, just where's that sweet spot of, of, um, of power that you need to give these things because if you go too hard you do you know you you scare the projects off in a way and if if you go and or momentum can shift against you and you'll you'll take you take a step forward and two steps back um, and I just applaud the work you've done um, we're gonna keep a close eye on beacon we always do I always do um, and uh, we just look forward to, to keeping tabs on it, Brian. Well, we look forward to uh, trying to advance uh, the cause a little bit more and also involving more uh, uh, more folks outside the area in it. I just wanted to say, if anybody listening want, is planning to come out and take a tour, you can certainly reach me. Um, my email is brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N, at ventura.org, or my cell number, 805 746 Five nine nine nine. Happy to take the walk that you and I took, and I think because other communities need to start thinking in that direction, even if it's early on, they need to start getting that kind of conversation into their public works and their streets, and and they're you know not a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of coastal cities have a department of, of parks and beaches. They have a record parks department. You know, first thing I tried to do was change it to department of parks and beaches, and of course, everybody just railed because you know, well, we don't own the beaches, and right. quite honestly. City of Ventura, when it was given a beach, it gave it away, gave it to the state. <laughs> so we have very little beach of our own. Uh, with state, we have state parks and state beaches, but we do have uh, we have the, what we do have is beautiful, and we have one of the greatest surf spots in the world. And of course, we have another one. The Queen of the Coast is just north of us, so we're very fortunate to be able to have that those recreational opportunities. Can't recommend that more highly. Uh, get get yourself out to. Uh, Ventura County, Santa Barbara County. Take the tour with Brian Brennan. Um, let's see. There was one other. Oh, the. Uh, do you happen to recall the Ventura? Ventura. Just Google up Ventura County Surf Rider. Yep. Check out Paul Jenkins' ph- photography. Um, it's a great companion to this discussion to actually see the Ventura Delta. There's photographs of the uh, the managed retreat project, the sustainable shoreline project. Yep. And uh, listen, great, great talking to you today, Brian. Uh, everybody, hoping everybody's had a great holiday uh, this year. Uh, we're recording this late uh, on Friday. What is it? The 28th. So this will be airing about a week from today. But um, have a great new year, everybody. And look forward to uh, looking, look, looking forward to 2019 of the Beach Shack. Should have some great content coming your way. Yeah.